When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. And gentlemen, I don't know why it seems like it's been a month since the Blues have played, but it really feels like it's been a month since the Blues have played. And they get back after it tomorrow, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be very exciting. It's been how long? 11 days, 12 days, something like that? Give or take, carry the one. I I don't know. The good news about that is is it reaffirms my love for hockey. You know, because NHL Network is basically on all the time unless the Blues are playing. You know, I've been watching a lot of replays of the All-Star stuff and the last couple of two, three games that have happened. I need my blues is what I need. Absolutely so. So I, we want to get things started here today with some NHL uh, craziness that happened last night. And uh, he's a guy that's not loved in St. Louis, probably not loved very many places outside of Boston. And that is Brad Marchand oh, of the yeah. Bruins. Uh, had, Marchie. <laughs> had, Marchie. A, 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 had a very eventful night last night mm-hmm. uh, in, doing a number of things. One, there was the Sidney Crosby broke a stick. He's trying to get over to the bench to get a new stick. Marshawn, nope, not letting it happen. All right, there's that. Also, Tristan Jari, the goaltender for the Pens, was trying to flip a puck to a Penguins fan. Marshawn would not let it happen. No, he grabbed it and took it with him. Right. And then towards the end of the game, he 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 threw a punch at Jari, the goaltender for the for the pins, and then also like sort of jabbed him with his stick and got his stick up under his mask. Jamie, I am dying, dying, dying to know what you think about all of that. Uh well, one, you hate it when it's against you, but you know, you're kind of okay if Brad Marchand is playing for the Blues. Not that I condone that stuff, but who did anything about it? Okay. So that's my problem. So when at, we were watching the video, we were saying the same thing. It's like, why is this guy not flat on his back? Yeah. Like after the very first thing of like him and Sidney Crosby, you kind of chalk that up to they played together, you know, all-star games, Team Canada. They, They're messing with each other. They, or he's just being a, a douche and it's not that bad. Then with the puck thing... 
it's still not a level of like horrible. He's just being a little jerk. You know, it's like when guys skate around and then take the other team's water bottle or do something just it, it's uncalled for, but you're like, yeah, it's not he worth it. He was taking a, a puck from a kid, though. Well, you it don't was, know was that. The kid you just assume than him? that. Well, the kid might be taller than him. It's not that that not that hard to do. <laughs> All you see is Tristan Jari with the puck on his stick. He slashes it, takes the puck, and goes. He just he's not trying to take it away from a kid or anybody in particular. He's just trying to piss off Jari, which it kind of did. The one that goes over the edge is the punch to the side of the head to the goalie who's in his crease, where he lunges at him like Superman style and punches him. But the players are standing right beside him. That's what we said, yeah. man. As we're watching it, we're like, Crosby I, literally goes, "Excuse me," and gets out of out of Marshawn's way when people are pushing him around. I'm tell- that's the problem, though. So that's my issue. My issue is not actually with Brad Marchand. Uh, it would be if I was on the other team. My issue, if I'm the goalie or if I'm the coach of that team in Pittsburgh, or I'm Mike Sullivan. I'm like, where was everybody? Like. How do you let this happen? Because to me, man, doesn't that set like a really dangerous precedent? Well, like, let's, especially let's other going... teams know, do whatever the hell you want because we don't have a response. Absolutely. Imagine if it was Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves that did it. Like, this is oh. Brad Marchand where guys could grab him. And even if the, he is a feisty little fighter, he does a good job. But at the end of the day, somebody should be able to absolutely just donkey punch him. But imagine if it's somebody tougher than him. Now, what's the message? Do whatever you want, because we 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 really not going to do anything about it. I would. I'm just going to say this for the record. Just I'm just saying this, putting this out. There. I got I got my notary stuff right. here. So I don't care why or how or what. I would never in a million years on this planet or any other one have Brad Marchand wearing a Blues jersey. I don't want to see it. I know, Jamie, you're going to tell me that I'm wrong and all of that stuff. That's fine. You already know you're wrong. But I hate that son of a bitch. (laughs) You already know you're wrong. My comment this morning uh, was uh, to somebody in the office was, if I want that guy on my team, it's purely for his skill, but I'd be so embarrassed to say out loud that I want that guy on my team. Okay, but then you have leadership that steps in. First of all, uh, Bruce Cassidy, I know Butch for a long time. He's a great guy. I don't know if he exudes that, you know, that authority uh, over his players. Patrice Bergeron is a great leader, but again, I don't know if he exudes that authority over Brad Marchand. You put Brad Marchand here with the Blues, you got a lot of leadership. You got Braden Shen, you got Ryan O'Reilly, you've got David Perron. I mean, the list goes on and on of people that would, you know, keep him in line. Let alone you have Steve Ott, Jim Montgomery, uh, Mike Van Ryan, and a guy named Craig Berube. I think Steve Ott's the kind of guy that would like Marshawn for some he would, reason. He, you know, know what, though, what he would do, Jeff, he, is he would teach him how to do it properly. Because he'd say, listen, okay, that was, I get it. Take a look at the YouTube channel. I get it. I was you. But this is the way we got to do it now. We got to make sure you, because he is a valuable player. He's a point, he's a hundred point player. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh. The, the guy's good, except Donnie, for when he goes, oh, goes off like this. My question no, is if you look at it right before Marshawn jumps and punches him in the face, the goalie lo- is looking right at him and says something. Right. I don't know what it is. I'm sure it didn't, didn't you know, warrant a, a let punch. Me, let, me, let, me, let me say this. All right. We're back at spinning wheels, roller rink. All right, oh, here we go. All right. right, it's been a while since so we've had a spinning wheel. It's been, right. been yeah. a while. Somebody <laughs> even even does that to my goaltender when I'm playing inline hockey. I'm honest to God, jumping on their back. I I am still so floored that that happens. That he gets the stick up under the mask and and not a penguin around. Oh, you know what? Jari looked like the most pissed so, off Donnie, one of the bunch. You've just given us the answers here. I know. You're more pissed it. off at the penguins than you are than you are, Marshawn. Yeah, I still don't like him though. Man. I know. Somebody... Imagine him scoring forty five for you. 
Mm. Yeah, he's a good player when he's not suspended. I just, I, you, I, you go look what at is his this? career numbers. He's a good player. Yeah, he's no, a and, great it's, player. and it's not that, man. It's not that I don't know that he's a really good player and would, would help us. I just hate him. <laughs> that, yeah. That's it. It's, it's not rational. It's not smart. I'm just fan perspective. I hate him. Jamie, talk about with your NHL career, you must have had a situation where either yourself or somebody on your team got run like that and nobody on the team did anything. Probably not back in your era. No, but if something happened. like that happened, is the goalie not going, dudes, what the hell? Yeah, Who's like, got my back yeah, out there? Yeah, what is Jari, is Jari saying anything to to the guys in the locker room after? Uh, who knows these days, guys. I'm a little out of touch with the way guys think the game as far as the physicality the in today's game. If that would have happened, let's say, back in the mid-'90s, early-2000s, and nobody did anything because there wasn't a guy on the ice, well, whoever your resident tough guy was or your you know glue guy in the locker room, there would have been a fight in the locker room following right. the game. If you're the guy who's standing right there and did nothing, you would be challenged because that can't happen. Because you have to look at it this way. It could be you at any given moment, too, and you sure would like your teammate to stick up for you. What message are you – how am I inspiring you to stick up for me if I won't stick up for somebody else? Makes sense, yeah. I'd say more than anything else – I'm just happy we're not talking about this when it comes to the Blues. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like with 40 games left or however many going into the playoffs, to know that that could happen and nobody's going to go after your goaltender, man. Woo-hoo. You're in my head because I was sitting here thinking if that did happen to us, who would be somebody that would go after him right away? And I would think it'd be Bobby Bortuzzo. I think it would be Roberto Bortuzzo. Yeah. A, there'd be a few guys. Yeah. There'd be a Bortuzzo. There would be a Braden Shan. Um, a Dakota Joshua, you'd be surprised. There's guys yeah. that would go after him. Oh, Even I'm, Ivan Barbashev, guys would go after him for sure. My well, first thought was Shen, and my first thought was uh, he would probably handle it great, but I wouldn't want him to because I don't want him to get hurt. No, no, Bobby Bortuzzo is a good guy for it. He would handle it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Bobby Bortz, Signs, signs an extension yesterday. Yes. Uh, Jamie, can you kind of talk about that extension? Not only that, but they also signed Logan Brown to a one-way deal, which I think is great for Logan Brown. Mm-hmm. Do, do these do these moves have anything to do with the trade deadline, or is this, is this more for 2022, 2023 than it is for right now? I think it's for the future. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that they signed Robert Bortuzzo to a two-year extension, then they're going to trade him. I mean, the dialogue for me with, with Bortz's agent and him would be, Look, we see him as our third-pair defenseman for the next couple of years, and we're not going to pay him what he's making right now. He's making one point three million. He's going to he's going to have an average annual value of nine hundred and fifty k. So it'd be nine hundred fifty thousand on the salary cap. I don't know if they're going to divvy it up that way. If he makes more one year, less the other year, doesn't matter. Average it out. It's nine hundred fifty thousand for the next two years each season. That's a great deal. It's a great deal for the team because it is a salary cap league that's going to be up against the cap again, especially if you want to continue to be in the championship window. And it's great for Robert Bortuzzo because he doesn't have to hit the open market in a market that's so uncertain right now, let alone a depth guy, you know, a third pair right-handed shot defenseman, block shots. I said this yesterday on the fast lane is sometimes your value within your own team is much higher than what the league's value is for you. And what I mean by that is Robert Bortuzzo, probably knowing that he's very important to the St. Louis Blues because they know him. He's got leadership qualities. He's good in the room. The guys like him. He kills penalties. All these things. Take the player and move him to a different team. They may have no use for him. And they may not appreciate all that he brings to the table. So to take a little bit of a pay cut 
and solidify two more years at 950000 a year. I think it's a great move for, for by Robert Bortuzzo, and it keeps him in that championship window for the Blues. The next two years are going to be huge because after that, they've got a lot of decisions to make. It kind of reminds me of uh, when Molina was going to sign or not sign. Remember, everybody was like, oh, he's going to be going to another team immediately. We found out that he's more valuable to St. Louis. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That so makes sense. You know, man, I was listening to uh, to Danny Mac and Randy Carricker this morning, and they were, you know, talking about the Blues, talking about the trade deadline, and something a little alarming. And when it comes to Blues, I get alarmed really easy. No, I have never noticed. But they were, you know, talking about David Perron being an unrestricted free agent at the at the end of the year, and the, you know that there were some serious questions on whether or not the Blues you know, would be able to bring him back. And to me, I mean, I feel like we're still seeing really high-level Dave Perron. So, Jamie, is this a huge concern? Is this, you know, do you feel like there's a way that this is going to work out? I just feel like that's a key guy going forward even past this year. Well, David Perron's a victim of some bad luck this year, okay? Uh, his best year offensively was last year, and he started off the same way this year, but then he had the concussion, then he had COVID, and he's still kind of trying to find his way back from both of those things. He's now been placed on the third line, or not the Ryan O'Reilly line, however you want to number the lines for the Blues, because you can do any number at any time. But he, he he's had a rough patch where the offense hasn't come in bunches like it did, so the timing of all this sucks for David Perron because I'm sure Doug Armstrong and the Blues are looking at that going, and maybe maybe this is a decline. Maybe this is the warning signs right here. He, he's not, you know, he's 33 years old. Right. I, maybe this is the time to move on. I don't know if that's the case. I think David Perron is still extremely valuable to the St. Louis Blues. And I look at it this way. What does this team look like without David Perron, and without Vladimir Tarasenko. Ooh, buddy. Yeah. And the reason I say that, I know Vladdy has another year on his deal, but if it holds true that he wants to be traded still and the offseason coming up, so if Doug Armstrong moves Vladimir Tarasenko, doesn't resign David Perron, what does your team look like? You don't have those replacements currently in your system, and yet maybe you could go acquire a guy, but will they produce as much and will they fit in as well? So in my opinion, you have to... Either hang on to Vladimir Tarasenko, or you have to re-sign David Perron. In a, in a perfect world, you just keep Vladdy and you resign Perron to a team-friendly deal. Maybe Perron takes a fifty percent pay cut. Maybe he says, "I'll sign a three-year deal for six million, and that would be a damn good deal for the St. Louis Blues to do that because he's been really, really solid for this team. He's developed into one of the leaders. If you look at his style of play, Craig Berube really likes David Perron. But again, that's going to be the Blues having to decide on whether they want to keep both those guys and if David Perron doesn't get offers to go somewhere else and if he's okay with taking that pay cut. It seems like to me every time they give up on Perron, he comes back or it was, a, I don't want to call it a mistake, but he still thrives he somewhere else. He wants to be here, right? right. So that's what, that's what makes me think that David Perron would be okay with signing a more team-friendly deal. I could be crazy. And that's quite possible. I have um, research. Yes, yeah, there's probably a lot of documentation yeah. to support that. But he he does keep coming back. He finds his way home every time, and that tells me he really likes it here. 
And, and I know he does. I, if the, the goals aren't coming, but it's and correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will. But Probably. it seems like he's still <laughs> skating his ass off. He's doing and, a great job. I mean, fantastic. His first couple just... of games coming back out of the COVID protocol were were okay. They're fine. His last game, last two games, I've really liked his play. He's been big on the puck. He's been well possessing the puck. He's been hard to play against. He was plus three one night. He's getting back to looking like David Perron. So the next stretch of you know, seven to ten games will tell me all I need to know about David Perron. When is Craig Berube going to get an extension? I'm getting a little antsy on that one, too. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation because you don't really like a lame duck coach in, in any sport, let alone a coach that has recently won you a Stanley Cup. Yeah. He, he followed up with a, a, a sensational regular season the next season. They were number one in the Western Conference in points, and they headed into the bubble. The bubble sucked. Bottom line, okay? But last year he battled through all of the injuries and the COVID and all that and still managed to get the team to the playoffs. And this year has been an absolute disaster as far as man games lost to various things, and they're still in the hunt right now. So I don't know why he doesn't have a contract extension. It could be could be both sides on this. It could be Doug Armstrong saying, you know what, I want to make sure you can get us to the playoffs, and I want to see if you can get a team past the first round again because you haven't since you won the Stanley Cup. I know that sounds crazy. That right? sounds sound crazy really to crazy. me. I know it does. <laughs> I know it does. Um, or it's Craig Ruby saying, you know what, uh, you've got me on a pretty friendly deal as a head coach in this league, having won a Stanley Cup and doing what I'm doing. I'd like to, well, I don't know, get a bigger paycheck. Because some of the guys who aren't as good as me are making twice as much as me. Yeah. And so maybe it's a little bit of a standoff. Or option three, Jeff, behind curtain number four, uh-huh. is they already have a kind of a verbal agreement, handshake deal, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And when the season's over, they wrap it up. I was going to say, he seems like, an, I don't know him, never met the man, but it's, he seems like a guy that wouldn't want to talk about that sort of thing either a lot or at least during the season. I think he'd be okay knowing that, like, I believe that he knew that they had an agreement um, coming out of the uh, interim head coach when they took that tag off. Remember, they they left it on the whole stand. Yeah. Everybody's like, why are they leaving that? Yeah. Craig Bruby didn't want the distraction for the team, and he just was like, meh, I'm not worried about it. Army had already talked to him or whatever. They had an agreement. I I think he would be okay if that was the case now. I also could see it go the other way, where if the Blues are kind of slow playing this, kind of like, well, show me what you can do. I could see, uh, I could see Craig Bruby getting frustrated a little bit. I mean, the guy does have a bit of a temper. Um, don't know if you've ever seen YouTube or the 297 <laughs> fights that he's been in in the NHL. Um, although he is a cooler head than people actually give him credit for, he's very well thought out. Uh, I just love. Him I just so would hate much. to see him yeah. get pissed off because Barry Trotz was a guy in Washington that thought, "Hey, I'm coming back. They love me. They let him go lame duck the whole year. Won the Stanley Cup, and he was like, screw you, right? Yeah. I'm going yeah, to the yeah. Islanders.' Yeah, and he cashed in with the Islanders too, big time, a- as he should have. Yeah, he's been a sure. super successful coach. And I'm not putting Craig Berube in Barry Trotz's category because of the number of wins and the success and all that. But here's what I believe to be true, in my heart of hearts, is that if Craig Berube didn't get signed here or was fired here for whatever reason, available, there are teams in the NHL that would fire their current head coach without cause in order to sign Craig Berube and bring him on board. Is he a great coach? 
Yes, or he is. is he a good coach? And we are blind by the Stanley Cup. I, no, dude, just I, and I'm asking. I'm not questioning oh, no, him no, 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 at no, no, all. No, I'm no, just wondering. No, and I'm just speaking from my passion. Yeah, I, I like left, your tone. I left right. Craig Berube and want to be his friend. But like, just what they, what he has been able to manage with this lineup this year. I mean, how many man games have they lost because of COVID and whatever else? And this team is still, like you said, in the hunt and then some. I love that guy. I want to be friends with Craig Berube so bad. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, Let me just ask you this question, guys. How many coaches, and this will kind of prove my point, how many coaches in the NHL, or how many teams, rather, have coaches in the NHL that you look at that team and you look at the head coach and you go, I know the identity and the culture of that team? How many? Yeah, I wouldn't say many. Like when like you, the first one that comes to mind outside of the Blues is Tampa and Co- and John Cooper. Okay, so exact and Coop, yes, a hundred percent. But look at even even Jared Bednar for Colorado Avalanche. Do you look at him and go, oh, okay, this guy's this guy exudes what this team culture and their identity is? No, he doesn't. Craig Berube came in as an interim head coach and changed the culture in a month. He changed the way of thinking. He changed the way this team competes. He he made a list of things that this team would do proper. Number one thing is compete, play hard, play defense, all these things. So when you think of St. Louis Blues hockey, Craig Berube's picture pops up because he started that. He started this new wave of culture, and then you add the O'Reillys. Yes, you'd say the Petrangelos, the Steens, and the Shens, and all that. You put your but the guy who changed it. And has evolved this is Craig Berube. I think I got to call Doug Armstrong. Yeah. So why wouldn't they want to keep him around then? I, listen, Jeff, we're not saying they don't want to keep him yeah. around. Okay. They might have a four-year deal in uh, waiting for this. They might be arguing or arguing. They might be debating over, you know, a million dollars extra, five hundred. I don't know. I don't think that they don't want to keep him around. Okay. I think that this is a business transaction and that. Both sides are being cautious. All right. Last Minute Blues podcast brought to you by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. So uh, the All-Star Game over the weekend, I'd like to take back what I said about liking to watch the All-Star Game. <laughs> <laughs> because I like was in and out and in and out. But one thing that was very apparent, uh, Jordan Cairo had a bit of a national coming out party. And it seems as though, guys, that he could be one of those... Top tier. Been telling you elite. this for months, Donnie. I know, man. I know. It's not like I'm saying that he hasn't, but he's really <laughs> still continuing to prove himself on these huge stages, man. It was really awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, and I said that he's going to have some competition with Connor McDavid, Chris Kreider, Dylan Larkin. Those are the guys that you know, in the fastest skater, and those guys were all right there. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Cairo, man, he flew around the ice and won the fastest skater, and then he had himself a, a great day at the All Star Game. Then he had himself a great night. Yeah, it looked like yeah, it. Yeah, he had the headphones <laughs> on. He was doing his dance. I'm Jordan Cairo, baby. <laughs> And uh, so, yes, he had his national, international coming out party at the All-Star Game. Uh, and it's great. He should. He's he's one of very few players. And we've talked about this. There's Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, Jordan Cairo that can produce the, this high-level skill at full speed. They do everything at maximum warp speed where most guys have to slow down. They can't do that. They can't handle the puck. They can't make a play. 
Jordan Cairo is one of the few that can dance you inside out while moving at full speed. He's the first guy that I've seen since Connor McDavid that I look at him and go, is he even have skates on or is he just running around? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. skating more comfortably than I walk. He's Yes, 100%. And he's one stride away. I've said this a million times from a breakaway every time. Yeah. If you guess the wrong way and he goes right and you go left, he's gone. You can't catch him. Well, and you said this on, your, on, on the fast lane at some point the last few days. He still doesn't have his man weight. No, he doesn't, like have, he doesn't have his man weight. He doesn't have his man strength. And think about the hockey IQ, okay? Think of, like, I know at the end of my career, I was a much better hockey player uh, as far as intelligence goes, because I learned over the years all the things I can do, can't do, should do, this situation, that situation. Jordan Cairo's 23 years old. What do you think he's going to be like at 26 or 27 when he's got this database of information and he's hit his man strength and he's hit his man weight and he's still flying around the ice like that? He's going to be scary. And that's in a couple, two, three years. Where is his contract at and what's going to happen there? Well, he's got this year and next year at the 2.8. Him and Robert Thomas have matching deals. Now, the Blues still have team control after that, but he has arbitration rights. Okay. So probably three more years or this year plus two more for Jordan Cairo before the Blues would have to open up the vault for him. Would you think that the the, the higher-ups for the Blues were watching that All-Star game going, oh, damn it. <laughs> no, oh, they don't know. damn it. They're, they don't they're probably hoping we got to open it. the vault. you got to look at it this way, though. <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko will be long gone off your books at that point. That's $7.5 million. And if he's producing at the clip that he is now, I mean, Jordan Cairo, that is, you'd be happy to give him $6.5, million. Sure. Give him Vladdy's money and be like, okay, here's your raise. I was watching a bit of the Oilers and the uh, the Golden Knights last night, and one of the things that kind of struck me during the broadcast was that I think they were saying something like Max Pacioretty hadn't had a point in seven or eight games, and you know you've got Jack, Jack Eichel really you know kind of on the horizon there. Dude, how is Vegas going to make this work? Who do you think is going to get traded? And do you think, you know, when Max Pacioretty goes through this spell like this, that it kind of might raise the hand that he might be the one to get to go? Now, is somebody going to get traded or is somebody going to get hurt? Oh, mm. yeah, that too. That too. Could be one of one of uh, either situation. Uh, they'll be fine. Watch. There's going to be a way where the Vegas Golden Knights just, just worked our magic, and whether it's through a um, pulled groin uh-huh. that just won't get better for somebody or whether it's a trade or anything at all, they'll find a way to be cap compliant, and then everybody for sure will be available come playoff time, and they're going to be uh, a very... A worthy opponent. Does, does anybody from the league investigate if I say, oh, Jamie Rivers is uh, on IR until the playoffs because he's got a bad back? Do we need to prove that to anybody? Yeah, you do. I mean, there's medical records. It all has to be legit and on the up and up, but it also comes down to it's going to be an injury where you're like, well, the player's pain tolerance will decide this. Okay. How can you tell me what my pain tolerance right, is? Right, yeah, it's up to you. Yeah, I can't prove If I that. get out there, I'm like, it just doesn't feel 100%. Oh, now you're going to force a player to get on the ice he doesn't feel comfortable? Now what if he gets hurt, NHL? That blood is on your hands. Yeah. Whoa, Whoa, man. man. Whoa. All right, that was a little excessive. <laughs> I liked it, though. I, kinda, I liked it. I was kind of so, caught up in the moment. So for the West, so in the West here, Colorado, Blues, Minnesota, you know, how are you looking at this race as it, you know, as we begin the second half the of the year? The Central or the West? The Central. Okay. Because uh, the West, I'm like, you got the Golden Knights you got to worry about. You yeah. got the Calgary Flames that are, you know, hot and cold right now. Um, as far as the Central Division goes, I see the Blues finishing second. 
You think Colorado's going to? I think win Colorado it? just has such a lead mm-hmm. right now, and they're a really good team. I don't see them hitting a massive bump in the road. Um, you know, I, I just think, and they can have first place. I don't care. The Blues come in in second place, and they'll probably end up playing. Well, they'll play Nashville or the Wild. I like the matchup, both scenarios, and they'll have to uh, collide with Colorado. I mean, it's just the way it is. I, I mean, you, you're you going to be... have to go through the Avalanche to get to the Stanley Cup final. You're going to have to go through Vegas probably as well. The Stanley Cup is a tough trophy to win, and right. the West is stacked with really good teams this year. Man, I can't wait. That's going to be a good time. So, it's been so be- a long enough time. Before we uh, finish out, I, I just wanted to I, I finished reading Grant Fuhrer's book the other day, The Story of a Hockey Legend, and it's an incredible book. I highly recommend it. But, dude, as I'm almost finishing this book, I get to this paragraph and there is a mention of one Mr. Jamie Rivers. Oh, Jesus. And and uh, No, no, this is... I didn't even know this. Dude, this you is really seriously? cool. I had no idea. That's no, hilarious. this is really cool, man. And it, and it talks about a particular play. Oh, All right, so you're in the series with the Coyotes. And I believe that this is two... Oh, I remember this play. All right, so here here is what Grant Fuhrer says about it, all right, in his book. It was fun. Anytime you go into a Game 7 with, with Phoenix, they have the whiteout going in a full house. I think they thought they were going to win. It had been a pretty offensive series and you knew it was going to come down to who could make the last save. I found it relaxing that night. It was just one of those games that you feel comfortable from the start. We got a couple lucky breaks along the way. I had one trickle through me that Jamie Rivers managed to grab before the line. We just had a good feeling that it was our time to win. What yeah. do, you, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. He's being very kind, by the way. <laughs> so it's game seven. It's game You're seven. In Phoenix. Yeah. Series tied 3-3, three, three, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll back it up to game six here. We're going to overtime, and Fierzy, that's the game. I know you've heard this before. He stands up in the locker room, and Fierzy never talked to anybody in the locker room, just did his own thing, happy guy. And he says, hey, you guys get me to a game seven, and I promise they won't score. And so Scott Young goes out and scores in overtime. We're off to Phoenix for game seven, and it's 0-0. This is in the third period. Um, I don't know why I was on the ice, to be honest with you. Uh, especially uh, can especially you quit, since... Can you quit taking my jokes? So i got to scratch uh, that one off. Especially since, uh, like, Jeremy Roenick and Keith Kachuk were on the ice. I don't know, somebody must have forgot that I was out there. And I got the puck on the wall. So this is where Fierzy's being kind to me. I got the puck on the wall in the offensive zone. I was kind of turned around half, you know, whatever. And I saw Al was wide open, or at least I thought he was. Uh-oh. So I went behind the back pass across the blue line in the offensive zone. Keith Kachuk read the play, picked it off, and went in on a breakaway. I was right on Keith's tail, like right there. That's and a big tail to that's be a big tail. Especially now. I was drafting. I was like <laughs> drafting behind an RV. Um, so <laughs> well, I'm right near the end, and I didn't want to get a penalty shot because, you know, and – so he comes in and shoots the puck, and I was like, oh, Fierzy kind of made the save. And ordinarily, I would skate, you know, you kind of do the flyby. You skate down, and you're like, turn away. As I'm skating past, I see the puck drop, and it starts rolling towards the net. I hit the brakes just as I pass the net, jump back over the net, and shot the puck out as it was crossing the line. Oh, boy. Damn! And I had to make sure in that moment that, one, I got around on it, that I didn't put the puck in my own net. Two, I didn't shoot it off Grant Fuhrer back into the net. Three, I didn't shoot it to one of their players who had a wide-open net. So all of this is happening in a millisecond, and I fired it hard enough to get it off the glass, and we survived, and we got through it. 
And then Grant Fuhrer uh, held held true to his word, and we won one nothing in double overtime. Pierre Turgeon deflects the shot from the point, and we win. And so Fierzy never did let them score. Although I tried to help them, I gotta tell you, man, <laughs> that was really nice. I'm glad he didn't. He's like, Jimmy Rivers. He didn't mention. Uh, by the way, that donkey gave up a breakaway but first. You, but you know what? In, in reading this book, and, and in, you just get the unbelievable sense and 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 feeling of this guy's personality. It just did not. I mean, it feels like Jamie, and you obviously tell me I'm wrong. That he was just mid. Everything cool all the time. He did not like when he's talking about bad things that happen. He's the same way as when good things ever happen. It's it is an unbelievable. I, I sat uh, next to him. And I know I've told you guys this before, but I sat behind uh, a folding table with him for a remote at famous bar back in the day. And you, you had to go get tickets, and then you walk past me. I'm at the table, and then Grant Fear's at the table. And, of course, everybody's there just for Grant Fear. I was just the radio dork that was there with right. him. And I looked, and I saw this huge line. I said, look at all these people here to see me. And he goes, I- I'm just, I'm, an, I'm honored to be <laughs> Thanks for letting me be a part of it. I say, hey, no problem. Uh, but Grant, I, is it? Is that right? I just find it so amazing, though, man, like just how all of the pers- different personalities go in making up a team. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and how important... I cannot imagine if you're a young D-man and you have got cool, calm, collected Grant Fuhrer behind you, that has got to give you some sense of of like, okay, I'm not out here alone. Grant Fuhrer's got my Or back. did it make you grip the stick tighter because you had Grant Fuhrer five Stanley Cups behind you? No, uh, it, it made me really relaxed. Good. And, that okay, was, yeah. and that was not because of his personality. It was because of his interactions with the young guys. He was great. And he, you know, he would give you advice, and you know, you get your ass chewed out by Mike Keenan, and he'd come over and grab you and tell you a funny story, or hey, come to the back of the plane, and he'd have a bunch of cocktails poured, and be like, it's time to just relax, you know. And yeah. he, he just took like myself, Jimmy Campbell, uh, Jamie McLennan, Harry York, the young guys that were around at that time. Fierzy was like, you know, like the the, the dad. Hey, dad, I screwed up today. <laughs> right, Don't yeah. worry, son. Here's a beer. You know, right. and let's right. tell, Did we learn let's, a lesson. Yeah, okay. let's Here's talk about it. He would tell old oiler stories, and he'd talk about mistakes he made and things like that. And it was just like I felt so comfortable with Furzy, and we'd go golfing together, we'd go to dinners together. Like he was not just my teammate; he was my friend. He is my friend yeah. still to this day. Like a very good relationship with Grant Fuhrer. And that really helped me through some tough times, especially in the beginning with Mike Keenan here. Like, nobody had it easy, but the young guys, they were the whipping boys. And and Fierzy was essential in me not going absolutely berserk and hating hockey because he was just so level-headed and he always had something really cool to say and he always pulled me out of a funk. Man. Well, again, if, if you're a Grand Fear fan, a hockey fan, it's called The Story of a Hockey Legend and it is a really tremendous read. Well, that's it. Last Minute Blues podcast. We're wrapping this son of a gun up for a uh, Wednesday. For Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, and Donnie Fandango, it's the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.